0: Studios. Hi, I'm Samiran. Hi, I'm Nilesh.
1: Hi, I'm Sheetal. And you're listening to 3TV.
0: Three Techies Banter. Hi, I'm Nilesh. Welcome
2: to 3TV. TB. is a podcast where Three Techies Banter. You can explore tech in the non-tech way. And it is about how tech and economics behind the tech impact us today and in the future. It is full of information, fun facts, common sense, and is actually spoken in a language that everybody can understand. Today, we are going to start a new theme, and this theme is primarily about technology and how it has affected art, music, and various such artistic faculties. Today, we are going to cover music and art part of it, and in the next episode, we are going to have a very interesting guest to continue our discussion on tech and its effects. Right. So, let's start with the music. Samiran, any insights before we jump into the
0: crux of it? When we started thinking about this episode and I said, you know, that this technology and you know, music seem to be just so far apart. What are we going to even say? Uh, But as I kind of delved into it, I realized that music obviously has some uh, mathematical undertones and whatever is mathematical and can be systematized, we know from experience that can be converted into technological logic and algorithms. So one of the funniest things I found is that uh, like the in English music, it it has uh, 12 octaves and uh, till very recently, about two, three centuries back, there used to be just some favorite chords because the others were difficult because... I mean, just from a technical perspective, they couldn't be divided into 12 equal chords. So until the maths of it could be found out, which is actually like 2 to the 12th root could be calculated, they couldn't create... Basically, Bach was the first guy who was able to use all 12 octaves in his symphony because before that, couldn't be done. So, you know, I was just kind of completely baffled by that. Western music is very structured and it's got pitch chord... And all of that stuff, and it has to be written and understood. Our Indian ancestors obviously probably wanted to guard against the use of tech. So Indian music has no structure. So it's it's basically just got a framework. So the ragas tell you this is the basic framework and just go do what you want. So that's why Indian classical music you will find is much more complex to technologize but western music since it is based on logic and rhythm and mathematics a lot of advance has been done in that space to convert it into the music itself into the technology and of course i mean sheetal as you were telling us that there is a lot of technology that has probably already gotten into the distribution and the storage of the the music itself so just some crazy stuff that i came across when i started reading this
1: you know, the other interesting thing is, so one is the fact that you could arrange music and make it better, etc. Right. And tools and technology have changed. But remember that when technology came in, we also had artists who had to struggle, right, for a while, because remember that music could be copied and transferred and things like that. And that, kind of gave a hit to the performers because now people were exchanging sharing without really buying or paying for the music. So for a long while, this happened, right? Till subscription-based audio streaming became big. And I don't know if you know this, Samiran, but today subscription-based audio streaming is actually the main source of income for the music industry. Think of it as audio streaming has about 23% market share. Okay, video streaming has about 22% market share, radio, which you and I would think would have a much larger share only has 16%. Okay, but what really amazes me is that actual purchase of music, which is downloads, vinyls, DVDs, CDs, etc, is down to a dwindling 9%. Right. So think of the impact that Technology has brought all of us are now listening to so much more music. There is so much more available to us. Genres are available. You and I are creating our own Spotify, you know, lists and things like that. And that's what's really giving the industry so much money. And so that's to me a fascinating shift that has happened for artists and for creators of music. So that's one, right? Think about it also as. Technology empowering artists, right? Because earlier you had to be able to sell your music to a label and if the label bought it only, then were you going to become successful? Blah, blah, blah. Today, you can create music and put it up on YouTube. You remember the Kholavari D phenomenon right or the gangam style Uh, the person came from nowhere became overnight successes and you know fan followings which were crazy that happens only because there is technology which has empowered people
0: no no absolutely so in fact this uh, i think whatever technology we really talk about you know there is this whole process of democratization that happens which i think causes a maybe a tectonic shift in the industry that you know it basically everybody starts losing money in the classical sense of revenue generation but I think in the long run you know the market expands and I think I mean if you look at the whole Netflix problem also you know they have lost subscribers because people are sharing more people are watching TV but Netflix is losing money and I'm sure that must be the case with Spotify also Mm -hmm. which is why they have proactively started family sharing and all that I mean I think there is this kind of a two-sided market movement that technology enables that it provides access makes things freely available, which kind of increases the base. But then people are not able to figure out now how to make money out of these new people, because the way they have got access is probably extremely strange and innovative, so to speak. You
1: know, but Samiran, I also think that technology is allowing for legacy to happen, right? So yes, all of us have are listening to old music, etc. But if you were a fan of Pankaj Malik, then you would have to go back to the old vinyls. And, you know, the transformation of music from one format to another hasn't really happened as effectively. But my favorite, of course, the Metaverse and ABBA, for example. The last time that the group had performed together was, I think, close to 40 years ago. They came back again in 2022 and they created a performance where the avatars of the four ABBA singers are on stage and they are playing. Now, imagine I'm a big, big, big fan of ABBA, right? And therefore, I would love to go and see what I would have never been able to do in the 1970s because I was like barely one year old, to go and see an ABBA concert live. But now I could possibly see an ABBA concert live with their avatars performing And experience the 1970s, right? And the music in its glory, which I think is phenomenal because that's ticking the metaverse and everything else. And this is in real space, right? So it's not like you're wearing AR, VR, etc. You're standing there watching. I mean, the four ABBA performers are watching it as it is happening.
0: Absolutely. Holographic images and all. I think there was a Jackson concert like that.
1: Yeah, that to me is like the ultimate, right,
2: (laughs) of experiences. So when you're talking about, I mean, going back to the economics of it, you're right. It's true. There are different mediums that have come up. It kind of reminded me of uh, our tryst with technology episode with Harish Mehta, whereby it's like an era of collaboration, right? But probably some individual contributor or, you know, platforms may not be making money and they're figuring it out, but it has got democratized. But, you know, there has been this bad side of tech, which was that the turn of millennia there is this whole bad side when napster came up right so if you look at music the traditional form it was making money through you know the whole licensing part of it or the owning of music and labels were there and it was a different kind of organization of of this industry and napster just completely blew everyone out of the park because now you could freely share music right if i had a record i could share it and you could share it till the time you know this whole copyright business came into being itunes kind of formalized it and And made a commercial model where people could monetize it. But the fact is that the music industry really lost chunk of its revenue. Huge chunk. And immediately afterwards when iTunes provided these monetization models and all. And there were other platforms that came up. Today you have even Spotify and all. Whereby we we have started consuming music in a very different way. But I think that lost ground is kind of just getting regained. And people are coming to terms with it. But you're right. I mean, what Samiran also mentioned, this whole democratization
0: has really helped the small guy. And not only the small guy, it is also the consumer, you know. We are struggling to share, you know, these Instagram reels and stuff. We can constantly try that. And then, you know, you get this option to pick any music you want, you know, whether it is like the baby elephant walk or the pink panther. And you don't pay for anything, right? Because somewhere Facebook met somebody has paid for it and obviously since it's in a public platform it must be legal now I have the ability to make my creation out there much more engaging because someone else has made it available for me so I, I honestly when I when I started all this I was thinking, you know how will I do I should write something in big font and some shiny objects you know and then I realized oh you can use music so it's I mean it may sound silly but it's it's such a I wouldn't say life changing, but it's something that just gives you a completely a multi-factor improvement in your ability to engage.
1: So Samiran, you know, interestingly, while we were doing all of this, and I've always been talking about music that is needed for meditation, because I do my own stuff. And I came across this platform called Amper. It allows you to create music. So it was quite funny, because I think in three or four clicks, I could create my own music. Okay, so that was the fun bit about it. I went and created meditation music for myself. And it's so easy because it says, Hey, you know, imagine if you said, I want to create a new project. You give the project a name and then it'll tell you how much time do you want to put it for. Okay, so you do that and then it'll ask you what kind do you want it cinematic, classical, documentary, electronic. So you click, click, click. And you land up and you can change the instrument a little bit. You can change the tempo. You can change this. You can change that. And suddenly, non-musicians like me feel like, hey, I can create music, which may not necessarily be the AR Rahman variety types.
0: And, and you own the copyright for this. right? Eh? I mean, it's your music. Wow.
1: (laughs) And I own the copyright. Yeah, it's your music because you pay for it. So the moment you create the music and you say, go ahead, you know, like the music is done, it allows you to pay for the music and you own that music. Now, that to me is really exciting because individuals like me who are doing experimentation or even for our own three techies banter, imagine you could create your own signature music and own it without ever having to hire a musician duo composer whatever whatever you are everything that you want to be i thought that was great
2: on the note of copyright i thought it is a right time for bringing my favorite topic into it which is nfts right so so no i mean technology has helped secure uh, art in that sense you know so now that you own that copyright you will have a digital proof and a whole kind of a provenance which can be put on a blockchain, right? The whole web 3.0, which we all love, has uh, also helped protect art. The best part is, I mean, I'll not even go into the uh, the protect angle of the art, whereby there is this whole bunch of technologies available to uh, restore pieces of music. How do you create, you know, old records and how do you restore them how do you digitize them and you keep in that authentic form but at the same time protect it from the creator perspective so probably sheetal it's time for us to get our nft (laughs) launched
1: (laughs) you know so nilesh it's so interesting because while you're talking about nft ai is creating music right now there is this song i don't know if you've heard it it's called daddy's car And it's a song which is composed totally with artificial intelligence in the style of the Beatles. You should check it out. Okay, and it's quite fascinating because when it's not exactly the Beatles, but it has all kinds of elements of the Beatles. And I just got thinking to myself saying that, hey, listen, imagine if you could now get AI at some point in time. I'm sure I at some point in time we'll be able to do this saying that I want a track in the style of A.R. Rahman uh, meets Amit Trivedi meets Bhatshah. And, you know, with lyrics in Gulzar style and Bam AI creates it for you right now. That is, I'm sure is possible because if somebody could recreate Beatles kind of music, I'm sure you can create whatever you want. It's like, Samiran. before we go into the next segment, you know, the platform that you sent us where you put keywords and they create art for you, correct?
0: Yeah, daily or something like that, huh? Right. Correct.
1: I'm just thinking, imagine if there's a platform like that for music, right? You could just put five keywords and it would create lyrics and uh, and music for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. There must be, I'm, I'm sure right after our podcast, there's going to be somebody out there working on it. I mean, absolutely. If they're not already. Correct. No, in fact, but uh, when we, as we draw to the end of this section, there's one thing, Shizal, you did mention about this whole live concert and uh, of the ABBA and all that. So I remember way back in 2015, 16, I had done this TED talk. The topic they gave me was, is eternal life possible? And I said, you know, is that a TED talk or is it like some, you know, trans meta yeah, metaphysical thing? But, you know, so the, one of the interesting things there was that while they, everybody discussed avatars and uh, I kind of talked about the metaverse, one of the funniest points that came across is that, you know, with finite life, comes uh, finite enmity. Imagine if a person, you know, if if you can infuse life into the avatar, imagine if the ABBA, somebody in the ABBA or the Bonium guys hated you, they will continue <laughs> hating you for eternal life. So, so eternal life has its own eternal
1: problems. <laughs> the whole I'm sure some tech guy will find a hack on that one also <laughs> as to solve that problem. Absolutely. <laughs> So with that,
0: we'll come to the end of the music tech section. Uh, When we come back, uh, we'll dive into art, tech, and what it holds for all of us. Welcome back. So in this section, we are actually going to be talking about art and tech. And uh, nothing kind of gets everybody excited more than a very healthy controversy. So the controversy this time is that there's this game designer called Jason Allen. He uh, entered his piece of art. It was called the Theater de Opera Spatial in an art contest, okay? And he won the first prize, which was about $300. But controversy is that his work of art was completely AI-generated. This has just driven all the artists in the world crazy. I mean, now, you know the last bastion of creativity... Uh, in the art world has fallen to technology. So they are super, super pissed. And Nilesh, do you think they are justified? So, Samiran, honestly, I don't think
2: it is uh, justified. Somehow, we all believe that the creative process must not submit itself completely to technology, right? And I have not seen this piece of art. I had also heard about this news. Somehow, you feel that, you know, how can you appreciate and imagine a completely piece of art, completely made by artificial intelligence. Honestly speaking, technology has been used by artists for a very, very long time. It is it is not something uh, new. Uh, uh, my research, you know, led me to a, uh, something called a project called Nine Evenings Theater and Engineering. And um, this was in 1966 where 30 engineers from Bell Labs and 10 artists, they kind of collaborated and then they created multiple pieces of art. You know, that was the whole nine evenings thing. And um, what I read was this movement kind of continued beyond 1966. And then there were some 5000 members and Andy Warhol incidentally was one of the people who joined this kind of a group regarding technology in art. And many people kind of uh, ascribe him, the you know, this whole technology being used or being the first digital artist. Many people consider Andy Warhol to be first digital artist. And uh, actually speaking, he did use a lot of technology in his work. So first thing was this whole silk printing, you know and if if that silk prints were not available he could not have created many of his artworks so that was one technology he started using right which was very interesting then he uh-huh. used a lot of video film and screen to create his pieces of artwork they say that he created a digital drawing on uh, an amiga computer and you can always you know a- andy warhol being andy warhol he actually also advertised the company who created that computer called commodore international or something so this was happening in 1985 and then you know in 2000 and the turn of millennia i think there were a lot of digital artists who came one thing which i when i was doing this research there is someone called chris Milk. very interesting piece of art he created what he wanted to depict was the whole idea of agony and ecstasy of uh, of a creative process so he created it seems three panels and uh, three kind of uh, screens and when you came and stood in front of first screen your shadow obviously there was lighting and your shadow will suddenly start disintegrating and become birds right in that screen right? that was first screen now you go to second screen you move from there to the second screen now these birds will come back and start pecking at the remnants of the shadow. So your shadow has not completely disintegrated, right? So they will start pecking and chewing the remaining part of your shadow. And in the third one, these birds are sitting there. If you waved your hands, the birds will again fly off. So he wanted. I I found that quite interesting. This was in I think 2012, and this he he wanted to show the as I said the agony and ecstasy of the creative process. So that was Chris Mill. There were multiple digital artists, you know, who 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 have done a lot of work in uh, in in 2010s and 20s.
1: You know, so for me, Nilesh, the big joy of technology in the art space is really no longer you stuck with a particular thing. So if, you know, it's not that an artist is stuck with a single medium, right? So you can use across media pieces to create even more drama. So you could take Van Gogh's paintings and now digitize it and then completely create a whole new experience out of it. And I think it just adds to the whole piece of the consumer's experience of that art. And I think that's what's beautiful, right? So in Madrid, there is this place called the Valasquez Museum, right? And if you think about it, so the Valasquez dolls are very, very well known. And in his museum, the dolls are all white, Right. But there is projection which is happening on the dolls, which is giving you the story. Now, to my mind, that kind of multimedia impact is so much better. And that I don't think could have happened if it was not for technology. Right. That to me is critical. I think the other piece that I love about technology is the fact that like it's democratized education and music and everything else, it's also democratized art, right? So now young people who are artists, et cetera, are in a position to create some phenomenally good art and put it out there. So I came across this website called Art, right? And they are founded in like, I think the early 2000s. They claim that they have 61 million registered members, okay? And they get 45 million unique visitors per month. And art for them is not just... Digital art, it could be videos, it could be music, it could be all of that. Now, suddenly, here's a platform which allows you to buy art in a form that you want to buy without it costing you an arm and a leg. What is even more interesting, and this is really for you, is that they have created a protect your art from theft, right? So they create NFTs, digital art prints, and then using AI, they actually safeguard your art. And there are people who swear by it saying that they would have never figured that their art was being abused if they were not with deviant art and were not protected from theft. So at one level, it is democratizing. At another level, it's also protecting. And I think that's a beautiful place for artists to feel empowered and liberated at the same time. Uh, that is nice.
2: No, that's true. And and the the part which you mentioned, Sheetal, about the medium, right, uh, that the technology has provided... Media to to people, you know, to to play around with. Uh, what you mentioned was fantastic. The light part of it, I I seen actually seen one such uh, installation in in a museum in Austria, Vienna, whereby it was just LCDs, right? And based on the people in the room, somehow the there was a play of light and all, whereby you a, a new art form would be created, right? On those kind of panels that were put. The art has empowered, right? One is given new mediums and empowered people to do stuff that was not possible. So, So there is a guy called Eric Stanley who uses stained glass work, but he uses laser cut paper. The other thing which blew my mind and I was not aware of, it came to me, we were doing some quiz and there was a question about Wallace Cut. I don't know whether you guys are aware of it. So Wallace Cut is a kind of a cut of diamond. Right. And Wallace, uh, his name is Wallace Chan. He's from, I think, uh, Taiwan. And this artist has created a kind of a cut in a diamond, which was only possible. I mean, he, he created the instrument also to cut it. But the technology took him to that level whereby he could cut the diamond in a certain way, which was not possible earlier. And he has some amazing pieces. He can actually pierce through a turquoise kind of a stone. Right. uh, Jade. And then immerse stuff inside it and create some form of art, which is just mind boggling. So, so yeah, technology has, uh, you know, absolutely
0: given those kind of opportunities. So even if you kind of go back, the art has its lot of basis in mathematics and geometry, you know, this everything when you hear it, a, a lot of things are based on the golden ratio. So, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's golden ratio is evident in The Last Supper. And then the sacrament of last supper by salvador dali that has got imprints of the gold ratio so i think i mean i don't know whether actually or intuitively people were thinking about mathematics when they were thinking about proportion and all in art so i think like i said you know if there is mathematics and logic in something then probably it lends itself to be technology enabled in fact uh, i came across this guy called Rafik anadol and he does some crazy stuff and in fact just to show how crazy he is i'm going to just read out what's there in his about Him uh, page, and if you can understand this, then you probably understand him. It says, Anadol's body of work addresses the challenges and the possibilities that ubiquitous computing has imposed on humanity and what it means to be human in the age of AI. He explores how the perception and experience of time and space, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you can read it actually. Basically, he actually uses machine learning algorithms to create 3D images of kind of near reality. So it's like experiences. So he's kind of brought technology and The reason why it's interesting is that he's actually got his own studio. He's got exhibitions and he's won awards based on this. So, you know, he's kind of made machine learning algorithms into an art form. So which actually is kind of a really crazy thing. But yeah, I mean, his description makes for really interesting reading. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about creativity and, you know, giving it and whether strife creates creativity. So I came across this Graham Greene saying, which says, you know what the fellow said in Italy for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. So with that thought, I leave you that, you know, what inspires art, whether it is struggle or whether it's peace. So, When we come back, you'll get many more such fun facts about art, music, tech, and what have you.
1: I am going to start the okay. next section because I have something to see on that cuckoo clock of yours. <laughs> so if Samiran's cuckoo coat didn't turn you cuckoo in this episode, then we have some really fun, interesting facts which may actually drive you there. Did you know that the radio took 38 years to reach an audience of 50 million? And Guess how many years iPod took to reach the same number? Any guesses, Nilesh? No idea. I can't hazard any guesses now. (laughs) Well, it took only three years. Okay. Wow. So what the radio took as a category to get to, iPod did it in three years. Okay. So they got 50 million in three years. I thought that was phenomenal. I mean, this is the power of technology, right? The ability to be able to take it to scale is what it allows for it. We all talked about Daddy's Car and a lot of other music, which is created by AI. I was just thinking, do you think Grammys will launch a category which says best artificial song of the year? <laughs>
2: I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting one because, you know, uh, the if they could launch K-pop, So they are open to categories, (laughs) right? So why not? not? I think it's all about getting the right sponsor.
1: (laughs) So I don't know about getting the sponsor. Grammy has enough money.
2: (laughs) You you know, but, but first... Punjabis will be up in arm because they have been trying hard to get a Bhangra category there.
1: Maybe they'll be able to put it into I'm the artificial you. intelligence song of the year uh, Bhangra, which is created by AI. No, no, but
0: I'm telling you, it is definitely going to happen. Have you seen Kala Chashma? <laughs> now it is like a rage. So I think on the back of Kala Chashma will be Bhangra. Now. Okay.
1: So, uh, it just amazes me that imagine now, will you have d- digital art and categories? How will you sell this art at Sotheby's, is what my question is. In what categories? I mean,
0: it is said everything is now left to the imagination. Now, you will have to imagine it and pay imaginary money and just put it in your imaginary art gallery in your mind now. Yeah,
2: no, no, no. So, Sheetal, I have, I'll tell you. So, so first of all, this won't be... St- you know, this won't be sold in Sotheby's, Sotheby's, right? So it will be actually some virtual form of <laughs> Sotheby's first, right? It has to be, it, it it has to be like a blockchain and web 3.0 kind of a mixture whereby payment is happening using, hopefully using UPI now that it has gone to France and <laughs> Europe. So yeah, I mean,
0: digital media for digital art. Okay, so the interesting other facts. So not all facts about uh, technology and uh, music, or art is recent. So if you kind of look at heard, uh, it is said at least that if you hear the song Another One Bites the Dust, you know, at a certain speed and with a certain pronunciation of Another One Bites the dust, you can actually hear the word marijuana come out, you know, again and again. So in fact, uh, apparently there was a trend to hide messages in rock songs. And a lot of people's rock fans spend a lot of time uh, listening to songs backwards because of that. So what do you know? And... Uh, the second one I have is, you know, on the Beatles. So th- this is kind of more technology really, is that Strawberry Fields Forever, the song they sung, you know, it was first recorded with the flute at a certain tempo. And then it was recorded in a much faster version with trumpets and the cello. Uh, so John Lennon liked uh, uh, the first part, one recording and the second part of the other. And with great sound engineering, they were actually able to merge the two which so the final product of the song is actually this merged version which you think is one song so i think they were using technology as it was available and cleverly but in this case obviously it was the artist who drove the creativity and not the technology so and i think the the crowning glory of all art and technology is the fact that mit actually has a course on art technology that people take and surprisingly the all of the students who take it are computer engineers Who want to explore art and uh, MIT believes that these are the people who will be creating art tools of the future that artists will use.
1: So finally somebody is figuring out that the left and the right brain can work together in some way. Kudos MIT. I hope there are many more who follow.
0: Since this episode is about music, art, tech and all the fun we have with it, we thought we'll add an extra bit of interest by running a very very small contest. What you have to do is look intently at the artwork. On the left hand side, you'll of course see images which are related to the topic, which is ABA, nine evenings, and cuckoo clock. But there are four additional images on the artwork. We would like you to identify who or what those images are and write into us at 3tb at unblocks.com. But before you do that, you also have to do a few other things for us. To
1: qualify in order to win the amazing prizes that we're giving out, you need to do just four simple things. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you're not an Apple user and not on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you rate us on Spotify. You follow us on both Instagram and you subscribe to our YouTube channel four simple clicks to get you to win amazing prizes from our episode. Having said that, and we hope you love today's banter, and if you have interesting data, trivia on technology and art in all its forms, whether it's books, movies, music... And everything else under the title of art. We are happy to hear from you. This brings us to the end of another episode of 3 Techies Banter. If you liked it, please share the episode and don't forget to follow the show. We're available on all major podcast platforms. You've been really kind to us and thanks to you, we've been featured on many platforms as one of India's leading podcasts. We hope that you continue to support our podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, then please do leave us a rating and a review. It helps our podcast grow. Until the next time, as Nilesh mentioned, we are coming with a guest who is from the space of writing. And I promise you, it's a podcast you don't want to miss out on. See you. Bye-bye.